0: Hello, friends, and guess what? It's the holidays, the ha-ha holidays, and we're taking a couple weeks off from recording new episodes. So please enjoy one of my favorite episodes of 2022 where I talk to Tatiana Figueiredo, Uh, the first time, actually, we are talking about a lot of hot takes, including freemium communities and just lots of things that I got a lot of really positive feedback about. So here it is again. Please enjoy and I'll see you live in the new year.
2: I think that connecting people is valuable. My mission in life is to have that work be recognized and paid for. A lot of people building these kinds of businesses are not charging enough and they're waiting for this future time When their audience is going to be big enough and what's actually happening is a lot of community founders are burning out They're not making enough money and everyone thinks of community as something that should be free And it's not it shouldn't and you should charge what your worth is
0: Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the community experience podcast I am your hostess jillian benbow and today we are talking to somebody I kind of know um, you know internet friend no of course cuz that's how it works now um today i am talking to tatiana figueredo whose last name i asked before we started recording and then as i introduce her in the episode i say it wrong immediately and then i say something to be like ah so you will hear that you are in on the joke now because i am not hooked on phonics and i can't pronounce anything so apologies tatiana <laughs> but Tatiana is amazing. She runs businessofcommunity.co and she helps people learn how to make their community an actual business. And I love it. This is basically just like two community friends having a conversation about things. We tried not to derail too far on tangents, but we had a blast. We came up with my next book's title, you know, my next book, because I have so many that I've written. So my first book's title that I will never write. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I hope you enjoy this. I think anybody doing anything in community will absolutely get some good tidbits. But most especially, something I love about Tatiana is she is very intelligent with understanding and then helping people with how to price a community. And so we talk about pricing, membership pricing, And we have opinions. So I hope it is helpful to you. I will see you on the other side of the interview. Here is my conversation with Tatiana. Welcome back, community family, to this episode of The Community Experience, and I'm so excited because I get to talk to somebody who does very similar things and is super deep in all things community, so buckle in because we are going to nerd out in the best way. Let me introduce you to Tatiana Figurado. Figueredo. Figueredo. Figueroa. <laughs> Let me introduce you. We're off to a great start. <laughs> Excellent. Tatiana, welcome. Tell us about you. Who are you? What do you do?
2: Yeah, thank you for having me, Jillian. I'm so excited. I'm a loyal listener of the podcast. Oh, (laughs) yay. My name is Tatiana. I'm a community strategist and a business coach. And what I do is I help community founders build profitable businesses on the internet. So Anything from membership communities like SPI Pro, all the way to cohort-based courses. I teach people and I coach people on how to really bring themselves to their business and build a business that has community at the core
0: of it. Oh my gosh, you must be so busy right now. Just <laughs> considering that like community has become such a, a like a buzzword in like for better or for worse, but I'm sure you are getting all sorts of calls for help, especially for, and I'm curious, actually let me know, do most people come to you at the very beginning or do they come after they've launched it realizes like, "Oh wait, this takes work. I need help." Who comes to you the most? <laughs> Usually
2: the second one. I think that's <laughs> I think I that's it. right. But I think <laughs> as community people, we've been doing a better job at scaring people from starting new communities lately. Yes. <laughs> like just saying, this is a lot of work. Look at my stressed out face. So I think it's improving a little bit, but usually it's, and I think it's better anyway. Someone who has already tried out building a community kind of has some experience and like knows what's working and what's not working they have already formulated their questions um, so usually that's when people reach out to me
0: yeah okay that sounds good yeah i can only imagine just cuz i know in my experience i'm kind of you know on the soapbox like hey i know it's a marketing buzz thing right now especially with the pandemic but it actually takes a skill set and work <laughs> so just you know you will have to put work in it you don't it's not a set it and forget it which is like the total buzzkill Right. But
2: it's true. Yeah. And I'm excited to teach those skill sets and to train more people on how to actually do it in in a way that, you know, doesn't burn them out.
0: Absolutely. Because even as a full time community manager, I would often get burned out. And like and that's why I'm always talking about boundaries and prioritizing your own mental health over because the community never sleeps. Right. Right. And so if that is my profession and I struggle with it, like, of course, a business owner is going to have the same and they have so many other things to think about as well. So you have a course, the build a community business course. Do you also work with people one-on-one? What are all the things you do?
2: I I actually started out doing consulting. So working one-on-one with people who, like we were saying, like we're launching new communities. Before that, I actually ran a community for women in tech here in New York, that was mostly in person. And at the same time, I was also working at a startup that was building community within really big companies. That's kind of where my experience came from. And then I started doing one-on-one consulting with people who were launching new communities, relaunching them. That business got really big during the pandemic when people were moving in-person communities to online And then from there and from all that I had been already thinking about as like a little community soul from a very young age, I started to build out some frameworks and some things that seemed very teachable, things that I was saying over and over again to to clients one-on-one. But now we're, we're expanding the business so that we can do both. So both for people who are earlier on and want to learn all the different pieces of building a community business in a cohort with other people and also people who just need more of the hands-on help and need more more people on their team to to get a community off the ground. So we do both now. Oh, that's amazing. I love it. I'm curious,
0: talking to people who as adults get into community and then talking about like childhood interests and personality, it's always just fascinating to me. So tell me, like, do you feel like you've always kind of been a natural community builder and then you know, as an adult figured out like, wait a minute, I can utilize this skill set as a career? Were you bringing people together at a young age?
2: (laughs) I was. So I always think that community builders have their little origin stories. And mine was that my family moved from Brazil where I was born to New York when I was 10. So 10 is like, I don't know, for me, it was a really formative age. I was Like I had a little group of friends and that I was leaving to go to a whole other country where I didn't speak the language. And it was that experience of having to pay attention to like this whole new culture and get used to this new culture that really kind of, I think, set me up to start thinking about belonging, start thinking about connection, start thinking about what community can be. Because It was almost like I was like manually making friends. Like it was like so natural up to that point. But then when you get here, you're like, oh my God, I really have to figure out what clothes I need to wear and what I need to say and like literally how to speak a whole other language. And I think that all of that is relevant when you're an adult and you're building community. So I think it was from there. I had other jobs that were not in community. When I first started working, I was in sales. But I think that the way I approached a sales role was very much community. I was like younger than anyone doing that role. And I didn't know what I was doing. So I would like host these big dinners. I would ask all these questions. I would get so curious about what people were were doing because I had no other choice. Like I really didn't know what I was doing. And then when I was in startups and I was in product I think product and community are really, really connected. It's all about having conversations, being really curious about people, conflict resolution, making sure everyone's on the same page. So I think I was always approaching things from this community lens. What about you?
0: Oh, I just, I love it. And I can relate because we moved a lot when I was a kid. So kind of different, but, but similar and my family's Canadian, so different side of the border mm-hmm. <laughs> coming to the U.S. So it just depended where we lived at the time. So I was born in Chicago, so I have dual citizenship. But then my brother, who's younger, we actually lived in Trinidad and Tobago, which is wow closer to Brazil. It's off the coast of Venezuela. So we lived there when my mom was pregnant with my brother. So she actually, like, went to Canada to have him. So he's Canadian, anyways so we moved like every few years and lived in different countries all over the u.s you know in canada so i i I feel your pain on just the when you get uprooted and then you have to start over in a whole new social dynamic but you it's much more because one you had 10 years in one place and like really culture like it was an entire culture and then to go to the u.s also go to the new york in the u.s like you know it's its own set of culture and I can only imagine. And then the language thing too. So bravo to you. I hope you found your people without too much pain. I know I've, I always think of like my childhood was very like kind of lonely. I was definitely very insular and quieter than I am now, I guess, because I was always the new kid.
2: Yeah. I relate to that. I think, I think that a lot of community people do. I think a lot of people who are drawn to this work there is some experience in their childhood that they're bringing out in the work that they do. It doesn't have to be moving countries. It could be parents getting divorced or much smaller things, switching schools, being left out when you're getting picked for a sports team or something like that. I think we all had these experiences and I think think they shape more of us than we give them credit for. And I think that part of doing this work is also healing that part of you that was 10 years old and lost in a new country or in Trinidad and Tobago, trying to figure out um, how to behave in a new culture. I think part of this work has such an opportunity to bring out those parts of us. I think it's really nice.
0: It is. It is. And I think there's something really beautiful about, especially, you know, those of us that have those experiences and we recognize it. And so we have empathy and which is such a key thing in community to, you know, not everyone in a community is going to get along all all the time. It's not all sunshine and roses and also just being able to look and be like that person really does like, I'm going to check in on this person because they might be perfectly happy as a lurker, if you will, for lack of a better term, or as an observer, somebody said they used the term observer instead of lurker. And I'm like, that sounds nicer because some people are more than that. They're totally happy in that But other people, you check in with them and they're like, well, actually, I'm super intimidated. I don't know where, because it's like school all over. They see all this stuff happening and it's like, oh, I want to go do the thing that all the other kids are doing, but can I just join or how does this work? And so it's so important for us as community builders to be able to see that and kind of understand that in a way to to help bring those people
2: into the community. I totally agree. Belonging is really fragile So there are these tiny moments where you notice someone, oh, they don't have their camera on. Why don't they have their camera on? Then they usually do. What's going on? Or you notice that someone used to always show up and they're not showing up. It's easy to just kind of brush it off and not do what you're doing, which is reaching out to them and seeing what's going on. But always keeping that in mind. Everything that I'm saying could be excluding someone here. How can I always make sure to kind of bring people back into the fold. I'll give you an example. I hosted some public events in the last year or so, and I made a lot of internet friends. So there are people who I know who I have inside jokes with when I'm hosting or even attending some of these events. And I started to notice that that could be excluding the people who I don't know yet and who are just coming to to the event. I, now I try to make a point of when someone is saying something in the chat that I know no one else is going to understand because it was from like a course we took together six months ago or something else and they're just talking to me, making sure that like one, I, I explain what the joke is and call it out so that everyone is in on it. And two, that I say like, I know this person because I met them on a, an event that's just like this. So it's not like we're not cousins. Like we we don't know each, we know each other from the internet just like we know each other from the internet. Totally. And just that making it more accessible so that people see that we're all friends and you're not joining a little clique that's already happening.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that's so powerful too, right? Because you're bringing them in on the joke and, and saying like I met this person, just like how I'm meeting you. And we have this rapport. And now we all have it and just that inclusivity to the new people, but also the nod to the people you have established relationships like that is just excellence at its finest. As we're talking, I'm like, it's kind of just high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which is terrifying. But I think as community builders, like we are trying very hard to be the kind, reliable person that it's not about popularity. It's about let's all do this. And so who would that be? Student council? I don't, I don't even know. Like come sit at my table. Point is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, we're just, we're here to, to hang with everyone and, and, and have fun and make it fun. we the prom committee. I don't know. I didn't go to a traditional high school, so I should not be speculating on this. <laughs> I was on the prom committee. <laughs> oh, well, see, you would know. That'll be our temporary term. <laughs> so we think of a better one. I also don't want to all of a sudden turn community into anything to do with high school. <laughs> but I keep going there. So I'm curious, So you have the, a course and it's a cohort-based course? So you have a lot of like live interaction with different people looking to build community. What's a common thread you see pop up with those people? Like, I guess, what about community- do they know the least about? What are
2: you helping them with the most? Mm, that's a good question. Um, there are many answers to this. The course itself, I think, is unique because it focuses on what I call community businesses. So not a big company that is launching a community to support a product or anything like that, but people who um, are making a, a business out of connecting people with each other, like what you do. and. A lot of the challenges that I see are kind of like in the intersections of the different parts of building this kind of business. So how do you market a product that is around connection? Like how do you do that in an intentional way that prioritizes the people you're speaking with and is not fear based and is in alignment with the values of your community, for example? Um, and then on the community side specifically one thing that i see a lot of people make is not not taking enough time to design the the experience that that they're building so i talk about the three levels of connection that you need in a community so you need the the big group connection which is All of the experiences that involve everyone and where you're reinforcing why you're there and the values that the community has. There are small group experiences, which is about like enforcing an identity that you have within the community that you're in. And small groups are usually how people make friends. So ideally, they're meeting each other over and over again. I know that you'll have masterminds, for example. That's a great small group structure. But any small group structure will work. And then the last one is making sure you're encouraging one-on-one connections. So a lot of people join communities. Their secret motivation of joining community is to make new friends. And it's almost like a thing we don't advertise as community builders um, as much because it makes people feel a little bit losery. But it is a real thing that we are all looking for. And it's when I think about the reasons why I join Communities, that's one of the reasons. And as community builders, finding ways that we can encourage those one on one connections in a way that makes people feel comfortable. And yeah, that is again in alignment with your values. So I think that it's the combination of those three levels of experience that makes for a really tight community experience for people where they're going to be getting all of their needs met through the community. And a lot of times when people come to the course, they have only big group experiences, or they haven't thought about one-on-one at all. So, just balancing that out is one of the the challenges that people have.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, and I love how you put that because it's so true. That like, I can see the like funnel, you know, of like the big to small, the small being those one-on-one connections, and it can be hard, especially the larger the community. What do you recommend to help people? go through that friendship funnel. Oh my gosh, the friendship funnel, if you will, of like from the big group. And then obviously there's some sort of like, like you said, we do masterminds. Um, Other communities might do other type of like smaller groups, but like, especially from that small group to the one-on-one, are you recommending people focus on from that small group? Like the people they find there is where they start making the one-on-one connections in the friendship funnel?
2: I love that friendship funnel. Right. Um, I'm looking forward to your 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 book called The Friendship Funnel. I love that. <laughs> oh my gosh. We have a title. <laughs> I, whenever I'm thinking about something in community, I think about real life first and I think about how something that happens in real life maps to what we're talking about in online communities. This is a slight t-